Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Raina Hernandez. She's in Ihantuan, Dakota, and she received her BA in English and her BFA in Studio Arts from the University of South Dakota. She's currently working on a community-based mural project in Vermilion, South Dakota, where she also lives and works. Raina attempts to investigate her place within the world, examining the complex connections between the Western discourse, systemic violence in academia, and her own sense of Dakota identity. I think what makes Raina so interesting is that through these vermilion murals, beyond the flexing of her astounding artistic ability, is that she's learning how to be a leader through the use of art. Um, how she works with artists, how to think projects through, both on the administrative side as well as the execution of these projects. It's something that is always so interesting to see when someone's developing this in real time. So, let's jump into this interview with Raina. Raina, welcome to Five Plain Questions. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Oh yeah, if, thanks uh, for inviting me to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, let's uh, just jump into it. Uh, can you introduce yourself and talk? tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Gayville, South Dakota, which is just like in the southeastern corner of South Dakota. Um, and I graduated from high school there in 2006. And then I was a non-traditional um, college student, so I didn't go to college until I was 23. Um, and I knew that I wanted to go for something creative. So at first I was um, trying to be a creative writer. Um, and then I took art classes and I just really, I really enjoyed them and I had an aptitude for it. Um, so I decided to switch my major, but um, I graduated from USD in 2016. Um, I am an enrolled member of the Yankton Sioux tribe and I'll say an interesting fact. I have a twin sister. Oh, wow. Is she, does she live in the area? Yeah, she actually lives in the apartment, like right below me. So <laughs> okay. she's always like, I'm going to come up and get some food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a nosy neighbor that thinks that they see the same person always walking around. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a small town, so there's definitely nosy neighbors. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Uh, with Vermillion there for sure. Um, so what, what brought you into the, the art world? What, what was your inspiration? Um, well, growing up, both my parents are artists. So we went around with like my mom to art markets a lot. And, um, my dad would sell like jewelry and like bone carvings that he made, um, at powwows. And so I was exposed to the art world from a very young age and my mom makes star quilts. She's a phenomenal star quilter. Um, but, you, you know, she would take us around with her and, you know, she'd be like winning awards at Northern Plains Art Market. Um, and so I just always felt really comfortable in that space. Um, and I think that that's also, too, why when I came to school, um, I was drawn to the arts or something creative just because I had grown up um you know, around so much creativity all the time. My older brother also is like really into poetry and reading. And um, 
and music. And so I just think that, you know, we're just kind of like a creative bunch and we have very broad interests, which um, it contributes to my interest in, in fleshing out different forms of, of making art and talking about things. And who are your, your biggest influences in the art world? Definitely my parents, because <laughs> um, yeah. they were the first ones, you know, that I had encountered. But um, growing up, too, I remember, like, we would go to airports um, to, you know, pick up my relatives who would come to visit us. And I would see Oscar Howe paintings in there. Um, well, they're actually G. Clay prints, but um, they're of his paintings. And so I just I know that for me, when I would see like myself represented at the time, I didn't really have a language for it. I didn't really know that like that that was something that was missing in these like larger arenas, like in public school and in all these other spaces like art galleries. But, um, you know, to walk through an airport and then to see like this uh, image of like of indigenous life and indigenous skin color and people um, was, I, I think, really valuable to me. So Oscar Howe is definitely a huge influence. Um, I, both my parents really uh, love and respect his work. And so I was exposed to his work from a very young age as well. And just like his use of line and color and symmetry and harmony, like he's, he's just hitting all the points. And you could just stand there and look at you know, one of his paintings for so long just because there's so much going on and so much detail. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm also really influenced by writers, um, particularly like creative writers. But um, Zika Lasha, um, who is Yankton, um, she was a writer and she wrote um, School Days of, oh, she, what is it called? School Days of an Indian? Or, oh, I can't remember the name of it right now. I'm, I, I lost it. But um, And she also wrote, like, Why I'm a Pagan. But she was, like, a big feminist. Um, she helped a lot of Indigenous issues get moved to, like, to these larger spaces to have to, to be conversed about and for for people to start making resolutions on um and so she's just like a, a huge huge influence as well and her writing is phenomenal she's a beautiful writer and so she kind of talks about like the boarding school era um and her experience with that um and then i also look to a lot of like pop culture references uh, i noticed that well my friend pointed out to me the other day that Anytime I talk about my artwork, I end up like talking about Beyonce. <laughs> um, and I just love her so much. She's just such a hard worker. And she also just, um, she's she's navigating this space now that um, it, it comes to like race relations and, you know, her identity is like as a black woman. And I think if you shift that lens to indigenous femininity or you know minorities in general like we're able to relate to her in this way that's um that's unique to people who are marginalized and so when she came out with um lemonade the and and the visual album so like the the basically extended music video for the whole album um that really just it struck a chord with me and i really resonated with it and i i think i i'm almost always looking to stills from that video to inspire poses that I use in my own work. Yeah. The art direction. I mean, that, that album, it's, it's really a concept album though, the mm-hmm. way it was released and the, and how it works all together. Um, mm-hmm. and it does not pull any punches whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's so great. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever get over it. And I'm like, I think that this needs to be required viewing for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm kind of happy you mentioned Zinkala Shah. She, um, you know, she was someone that, uh, you know, she was pushed into uh, that boarding school um, <clears throat> uh, education, mm-hmm. and then using it, she turned it on its head, and right. used used that to to really change the narrative of what was done to us. Um, right, incredible person, absolutely. Yeah, and I really, I really enjoy her writing for like that she's really able to like tap into this space of like of that dichotomy between like really enjoying an education but also feeling really like ripped away from who she is Mm -hmm. and like she hits that spot so many times throughout school days of an indian girl that's what it's called um and and every time i read it it's like it's just so beautiful for that duality because it's like it's both like beautiful but harsh and I don't know it, she just does it so well and I think that um, a lot of times when I talk about artwork and artwork that I consider like meaningful or really deeply impactful to me it is it's doing two things at once it's it's um it's talking about things in a way that's you know in some ways disarming but like but they're they're heavy topics um, and I, you know I think she does that just so beautifully she weaves these stories together um, and she's just, she's amazing. Hmm. So how have you, uh, developed your career, uh, both during college and then post-college? Well, during college, um, it's funny. Cause I mean, there's so many opportunities available to college students and I don't think that a lot of them take advantage of it. Um, I was walking through the hallway of the fine arts school here at USD when I was um, in my undergrad and I saw a poster for the Oscar Howe curatorial fellowship. And so I applied for that and that really opened up so many doors for me um, just in terms of, you know, being able to, to really study his work and then, um, you know, be compensated for it because it is a lot of work and it's a lot of time and energy and also going to school. So it's like, that, that program really helps me out in so many ways and it helped me learn a lot of things about um, my culture that I didn't, that I didn't know before. And so I think in that way um, that, that helped me expand upon what I wanted to do in my own studio practice. Um, but it also opened up my eyes to um, like the curatorial world and um, like museum work and archiving and stuff. And so for a long time, that's really what I wanted to do is I wanted to be like a, you know, a gallery director or like, um, like a museum, you know, somebody who works in the archives at a museum, um, or curate. Um, and so it just, that, that expanded so much in my mind of like the realm of possibilities of what I could do with an art degree. Cause I think a lot of times people feel like they have to teach. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, I think that there's a lot of different avenues that you can take, but, um, and so that was early on in my college in my college days. Um, but after that, you know, I would enter just shows that, you know, our teachers would broadcast to us and tell us to, to apply for. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities to show my work in college. Um, and I think that the, um, the amount of rejection is, is a lot less when you're a student, <laughs> um, because getting out of school, um, you're met with a lot of rejection, which it sounds like a bad thing, but honestly, I think, you can't win them all. Um, and it really, it it really opens up your eyes to like, okay, well maybe I could be doing this better or maybe, you know, I'll, I'll do it better next time. And so 
for me, it, it just makes me want to push myself harder. Um, but anymore, I, I don't really um, create a lot in my own studio space. I've been focused on creating public artwork and like murals um, and community-based artwork. And the painting professor here at USD, Amber Hansen, um, has been such a huge influence and inspiration because she, you know, she's created murals all across the world and she's just so good at it. She just knows what she's doing and her mind just works that way. And so being able to work with her and to be able to create these like monumental pieces of work in these public spaces um, has been such a, a surprising experience and really unique. I never saw myself being interested in creating murals. Like, um, you know, we don't talk about it a lot in art school, public art and like the importance of it or like the impacts of it. Um, so I think for a long time, I was just like under the impression that it was like, you know, like older, older hippies, like making these, like these murals, but um, you know, they can, they can be whatever you want them to be. And if you're including the community and then also including your own vision in there, um, something really cool can be made. And I think that's what I'm finding more and more every day when we work on these projects together is that um, I'm finding a commonality within people in, in my community that I don't think I ever thought I would find. And I never, I guess maybe, maybe to say it differently, I, I never really understood community, I guess. Um, and I'm beginning to understand um, like the things that we're worried about and the things that we're talking about aren't so different. Um, and I think that that's really what art is supposed to do is create that like universal kind of human connection. Um, and so just being able to learn alongside Amber and being able to create work and do what I love to do. I'm so passionate about it. Like I'm always like, I want to be at the wall, but um, <laughs> uh, just, you know, being able to, to do that is it's, it's such a great experience. And I feel really, really fortunate that, um, that I was asked to be a part of the first one. Cause I, like I said, I would have never done it otherwise. Your public work. Um, and I think it's a two part mural, uh, mm-hmm. at the, cause I'm thinking of the, um, the coyote twin theater and mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it's called anymore. That's, that's what it was when I used to live there. Uh, yep. but you and a group did this beautiful piece both on the side Mm -hmm. and in the back of that facility. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Um, so Amber Hansen, who I mentioned before was a facilitator. So she had secured the grant money, um, to create a mural in, in town here. And then also the, um, the VCA, the Vermilion Cultural Association, which is located in the Coyote Twin Theater. They gave us the wall space to create, and um, so Amber asked me if I wanted to lead the project, um, and I agreed hesitantly because I've never really have been a leader for anything. I I always shied away from those roles because it's a lot of responsibility, um, and I was like, you know what, I'll just take orders. It's fine. <laughs> um, but so she asked me to, you know, think of who I want to work with, and I had known Liz Sky from the Oscar Howe camp, um, and I'd been her camp counselor once, and then we had been counselors together the following year. And I always just really appreciated her work and the way that she speaks about the issues that I was also really um, interested in fleshing out. And so 
I, I immediately thought of her. And then I had recently met Ink Pamani, and I had never met him before. He was in his undergrad here at USD, and I had already graduated. But um, I was introduced to him, and he showed me his studio work. And the way that he was creating at that time really reminded me of like when I was starting out, and it was very like, um, what's the word for it? Like intuitive. Um, and so I just really, I really saw his practice for what it is. And I, I really appreciated that because it's just like, it's like having a conversation with your medium. And so I figured, you know, that he would be excellent to work with as well. And so Liz, Inkpa and I um, would, we set up community meetings and we invited members of the community to come to the meetings and to share with us their stories and experiences um, and the things that they were thinking about or concerned about. Um, and also to just kind of give us a sense for what they wanted to see depicted um, in this in this public space um, in, the, in our community. So we held workshops, we did like poetry, writing, um, we were drawing with the community and um, really what most of the meetings were, were just conversations about things going on, like on a national platform, but then also like locally. Um, so it was really, it was, it was interesting to be able to, to engage the community in that way. And then again, like, it, you know, like I said earlier, to see that the things that we were talking about weren't so different and the things that we were, we were um, concerned about or maybe worried about weren't so different because um, at the time, Vermilion had been impacted by flooding and it was really devastating. And people really just wanted to talk about, you know, how their lives had been, you know, altered from that. And so the first half of the mural, we decided to kind of create it around this idea of like restoration or like how do you come back from something um, that's like devastating or um, like how do you return back to, to good? Um, and so we took that idea and we shifted it on to indigenous experiences um, and that, you know, that long history of um, indigenous experience in this country. And so together with the community, we created this like really beautiful mural. And um, it was just, it was, it was really cool to see it come together and to also see that like the people who came to the meetings who were predominantly white um, were so excited to see indigenous imagery being depicted. Um, I, I, I was a little surprised. I wasn't sure if it would go over well, but it really did. And that was, it's, it's, the whole thing has just been such a great experience, but um, we finished the first half of the mural um, last summer. And then we finished the second half just uh, like a month ago. Yeah. I was just in town uh, about a month ago and I saw the second half and uh, just it's, it's for, for those listening, uh, you have to come check this out. It's right off Main Street, uh, on the side of the Kyle Twin Building. Um, congratulations! It is a, it is something to to really see. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was like um, I think I said afterwards, it's like this is the best thing that you know I'm ever going to be a part of that I'll ever create. <laughs> and, uh, and then we got we're doing we're working on another mural right now in town, and um, my friend was like, "You were so negative about you know when you got done with that mural, you said it was going to be." the best thing you ever did. He's like, now look at, you've got another job. I'm like, yeah. We'll see <laughs> well, if this one's good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it leads us to our next question, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, yeah. Um, you, you touched on so many really great things. Um, you know, that curatorial uh, fellowship at USD. I'm mm -hmm. so glad that they started that. Um, yeah. I'm 
remember being an undergrad there and trying to figure out how I could be a part of the gallery team, but it was only for grad students at that time. And so the fact that they were able to open that up to, to, uh, I believe it's, it's for undergrads. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think that's fantastic that they were able to do that as a curator. Now I would have loved to have had that experience, uh, years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with Vermilion, the, I, you know, with the Oscar Howe program, we, we did a lot of murals as kids, uh, throughout the campus mm -hmm. there. Um, but the one at the Native American Cultural Center, uh, that's one I did when I was 27, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the, the one the up at the, on the ceiling. Like, yep. Is okay. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. That's, cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I was young when I did that, but yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't compare to what you as a group created uh, down on Main Street there. Uh, something to behold for sure. Well, it's still, it's still cool because like, I don't know, I like that idea that, I mean, unless if somebody goes in and covers it up, which is just kind of, you know, rude. But, um, <laughs> but that like, you know, your experience, you left like a little mark here. And that's how I feel about what we're doing too. Is like, it's like, this is my home and I get to create this like, this monumental piece of artwork for my community and it's it's here and i think that that's really like it's a special experience because it's it's completely different than when you make a painting you know like a, a small little painting and somebody buys it hangs it on their wall mm -hmm. um to me i just i feel like this is it's more meaningful to me to create something here where um you know anyone can see it there was um, a question raised at one of our meetings um, when we were trying to get approval for the linear design of the mural, um, somebody asked, like, don't don't you want this to be in, like, a prettier space? Because it's, like, in an alleyway. Mm -hmm. um, like, don't you want this to be more, like, visible and, like, a really nice part of town, like a, like a, a, a beautiful building? And I, I know for myself, I felt at first when I was shown the space, because when you're shown the space, it was, like, it was, there was a dumpster <laughs> and like dirt and nasty stuff like by the wall and I was like oh man I was like this is where we're gonna paint this thing like I just I didn't see it I didn't have that vision that foresight or anything at all and so I was kind of bummed but like as we started cleaning up and like getting the wall primed and stuff I realized that like I love that space I love the fact that like that it is in this old alleyway that's like you know anyone can walk by at any time like I think that that's what's so beautiful about public art is that you know, anyone can see it whenever they want to. And there's no reservations. Like, like you don't have to be a certain class of person to go see it, you know, in the way that mm -hmm. you feel, at least I feel when I go into museums and galleries, it feels very like, um, what's the word? Like immaculate. Um, it's like too clean for me. <laughs> um, and so I, I just like that idea that like, we're taking this space um, in an alleyway and creating I think, but something really, really beautiful. Um, and, you know, just really beautifying our landscape here in town. Well said. Yeah. Um, you know, these, the, the murals, <clears throat> the different works, it, it creates a connectivity within the community. Uh, and I think it's so important to preserve uh, the message and the feelings uh, of, of where you're at in time. And so it's, it's a beautiful piece and, you know, it's going to be there for generations. And even as time moves on and it may fade a little bit or, you know, it'll, it'll age as all murals mm -hmm. do. Um, it's still a great footprint or a stamp 
on on you as a group, you know, and, and where you all are at in 2019, 2018, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So looking on to the future now, uh, how do you seek opportunities how, or how do they present themselves to you? Well, for like my own studio practice, um, and I, I, I get weird about saying that too, because I, I do consider like murals my studio practice as well, but it's like not contained in the, my studio. But um, for my practice, when I'm like, you know, just making my work at my desk, um, I just look online a lot. And a lot of my friends are artists as well. So we just kind of like keep each other in the loop on what's going on in the area. And if it's, you know, somewhere, um, like a longer distance away if it's affordable or if there's like stipends, you know, stuff like that. Um, so we just try to keep each other informed on those opportunities. Um, but as for the, for creating murals, um, it's kind of funny because after the first one, it seemed like people just kept reaching out, um, and really wanting us to come and facilitate something like that in their communities. Um, and I think that that's where, you know, that's that's the part that people get tripped up on. They don't really know how to organize um, those exercises or do those workshops or or how we come about these ideas. And so I think that that's, that that's interesting that they're reaching out to us and asking us to come and help them do community building with them in these communities that we're not from, which is totally fine. Um, we've we've gotten a couple opportunities. And like I said, we're, we're working on this next mural here in town um, and We'll, be, we'll start to paint that here soon. But um, yeah, we also look for like grant opportunities um, and we apply for pretty much anything and everything that we're eligible to apply for. Um, we haven't been so successful with the like the larger grant ones. Like I think there's like a, a mural grant right now for UNL in um, Lincoln, Nebraska. And we applied for that and it was like $40,000 was the budget. And we're like, oh man, we like we want this one so bad, but we haven't heard back, so we're pretty sure we didn't get it. But um, mm-hmm. you know, we just always apply for things, even if they seem really out of reach, just because like, why not? It's free. Like, let's just do it. Throw our hat in the ring. <laughs> they might laugh at us, but oh well. <laughs> well, hopefully, you've provided uh, photos of previous work that they can reference. Yeah. Um, so I think you have a strong case for for a project for sure. You would think so, but there must be some like some some crazy, I mean, there are some crazy good muralists out there. I've like, I've seen so many that are just like, they're mind blowing. And, mm. um, but I think what we're doing is, is, um, is really cool. And it's, you know, that's only my second one. And Amber, you know, Amber's been doing this for a while, but she's always been assisting in the process. She's, um, and up until recently, she had been just assisting and she hadn't been leading. And so for her to, to come into the space of like being like a facilitator and like helping guide that process of like actually getting an image up on the wall. Um, I mean, she's just like, I'm always so amazed by her. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're doing our own thing and um, opportunities do seem to find us, which is great um, because it's, it is a lot of work applying for things. I was like, this is like a full-time job. Like we could, if we ever got enough money, we could hire somebody to like be writing these things for us. Cause it's so much time and energy and work, but it's worth it. So what would you want to say to the 18 year old or the 20 year old that's listening to this, uh, looking to get into the art world, becoming, or going to school to become an artist? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think for me, at least when I was starting out, I was really, really, really shy. And I get that. And I was 23. Um, I was just, I, you know, I was not confident in myself. I didn't really know anything about who I was. And so like, that's all normal. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a young person, you're just like figuring things out. But, um, but I think, you know, as much as you can, or as much as you're comfortable with, um, networking is so important. Um, meeting other artists, talking to other artists, um, making yourself visible is so important. And I wish I would have done that earlier on. Um, but you know, better late than never. Um, so, you know, I always tell people that, like, just talk to people, introduce yourself, like show your work. Um, and, and all of that really what it boils down to is being vulnerable, which is so difficult to do. And I see, you know, people in all these other spaces and other career fields. And I can see that, like, that those are maybe not as vulnerable as, as, as being an artist, um, or being, you know, somebody who is putting your expression out into the world because it's so personal. So, you know, like I said earlier, dealing with that rejection, it does, it feels personal. Um, but you kind of have to get, get over that and, and realize that, you know, it, it isn't necessarily personal. Um, you know, maybe they just didn't like your style or whatever, but, but be vulnerable and, and be, um, visible. Uh, but I would also say reading, <laughs> reading helps so much. Um, like I said earlier, you know, uh, I've got Zikala Shah as one of my biggest influences and just engaging different forms of creativity to to feel your practice um is is really really important because i think that a lot of times artists get kind of stuck in like the studio mindset um and it's basically like the equivalent of what i would call like writer's block um but it's like painter's block um or you know whatever your medium is where you just like you just aren't happy with anything nothing looks good um anytime that happened for me i would read um or else i would engage um, like music, I would play, I would play an instrument or, you know, I would, I would try to do something else to expand my creativity or like what the ways that I would think about, um, being creative. And that always really did help if, if not even to just make, you know, an image, sometimes an image didn't result from that, but the thinking and the way that you think about what you're creating. Um, so I think reading and, and writing helps so much, um, in that practice. And then also, I think engaging pop culture and like current events is also super important um, in order to stay relevant. Um, I said this before in a different interview, but I, I think that um, art has a little bit like of an obligation to um, create conversations and to also speak to um, things that are going on onto these larger conversations that are happening um, amongst people. And so... I think just staying engaged with the, you know, current events and also what's going on in art right now is also just really, really important. When I was in Vermilion, um, I spent a lot of time with Robert Penn mm -hmm. and he often would talk about, uh, Oscar Howe and things Oscar, uh, Oscar Howe would say. And one thing that, that he had emphasized, um, was that, if you're going to paint something or draw something, uh, understand what you're creating or understand the subject matter mm -hmm. so that when you do engage with the public with your work, you, you're, you're being honest and yeah. you, you're bringing some sort of authenticity to the subject that you're bringing forward. And, mm -hmm. um, I, that's, that's something I'm hearing, uh, 
what, what you're saying as well. Oh yeah. I always say that too. I'm always, um, I should have said that one too. I always say be honest because I do think that people generally can tell when you're BSing or when you're trying to create something, um, that maybe isn't, isn't yours, you know, like you haven't, you haven't gotten to that space of, 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 of like an honest idea. Um, and so, I mean, it's fine to like be inspired by other artists. I, I look to other artists all the time, all the time, but, um, I always try to remain true to, to my voice and to my vision, um, while also like, you know, gaining inspiration from these other things that I'm looking at. And so, yeah, I, honesty and authenticity are like at the top, like you, you have to be honest to who you are. Otherwise you're not even going to like what you make. Like you will be stuck in that rut because you're just, what you're creating isn't, isn't you. Um, and that's kind of the whole point of, of creating is like, it's like an extension of yourself. Um, and you're able to have this conversation with people in a way that doesn't use words. It's a visual language. So, um, yeah. No, that's great. Uh, so where can our listener, um, find you on social media, uh, where they can find your artwork? Um, I have a website, um, it's reinahernandezart.com. It's really original. <laughs> um, <laughs> Straight but, to yeah, the point. So yeah. I'm like, I don't really know what to call it. I could come up with something cool, but I don't, I don't have, I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my artwork is up on there. We, I talk a little bit about like the public artwork. I need to go and update it actually now that you mention it. <laughs> um, there's some articles about like our projects and stuff on there as well. And some other interviews that I've done that I've posted links to. Um, but yeah, my Instagram is pretty much just all my cats <laughs> um, and just random pictures. And my Facebook is, you know, it's not a, a ton of my art. I'll post it, but primarily it's my website is where I'll, I'll keep posting things. Well, I've seen, I've seen your website. It's, it's a good solid site. So well oh, done <laughs> and, and having that out there and prepared too. That's, that's a big thing. Uh, yeah. Well. I, you know, that's another thing that, you know, when you, that last question that you asked is like, really look, keep it in the back of your mind that you need a website because for too long I w was without one and I just looked like a schmuck. I didn't even have a business card. I was just like, <laughs> Oh, you get to see my art right now and here and only here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm not going to put it anywhere for you to see anywhere else. Like you can only experience this one time in person. So yeah, it's really, really important. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so my professional work is, uh, storyboarding, um, <laughs> for film and television. And one of the rules is you have to have your portfolio ready, uh, ready to go. Um, so <laughs> when someone engages with you and they say, Hey, uh, can I see your work? boom, you got it. Because as soon as you say, well, ah, just, just give me a couple of weeks. I'll have something ready for you. They're gone. They've moved on to yeah. the next thing. And so uh, what got me my last job was uh, someone asked me real quick. They said, Hey, I like your stuff. Can I see more of it? And I gave them a link to my portfolio page. They went right to it and I had a job within a week. So um, yeah. huge benefit to having a website for your work and having it updated and ready for someone to see. For and, sure. Yeah. And I'm, I know I probably lost a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I know it. I was at Northern Plains with my sister and she was sitting in my booth with me and she was like, I can't believe you didn't make business cards. And I was like, I just didn't even think of it at all. It was like people like, you know, they'd come to my, my booth and they'd be like, oh, let me get your card. And I'm like, oh, let me get you a little scrap of paper with <laughs> my information down. I, I just look like so, so it was bad. I feel you. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm getting new cards created now that has the, the Q code on there. And so everyone's got, everyone's got smartphones now. I mean, obviously it's 2020. And so, you know, boom, right there, you know, scan it and they've got you on their phone, which is better than a card, you know, that's such Uh, a good idea. Yep. Yep. Take that one. (laughs) Please. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, you've been so generous with your time and sharing all this with, with us. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for asking me to to be on here. It's, it's always really good to like also practice, like talking about your work and also like interview styles. Cause I mean, people want to interview you and I don't know when I first started doing it, I was like, this is rough. I'm like, I'm never going to be good at this ever. And you know, you just psych yourself out. So, but my sister was, my sister was always like my biggest cheerleader. She's like, just keep doing it. You're going to get better. Just keep practicing it. I'm like, it's never getting easier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, well, it is, this has been great. You're, you're doing such an awesome job. Um, but you know, that's partially why I'm doing these podcasts is I wish there was more interviews with artists from the seventies and the eighties and even the nineties. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is capture, uh, these moments right here and now, you know, so 20, 30 years from now, when people are researching and they're looking us up, here we are, you know, Heck yeah, it's a good way to do it. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much. Awesome, thank you. And that does it for this episode of Fine Plain Questions. I want to thank Raina again for her time and sharing her story with us. And if you get the opportunity, you must make your way to Vermilion and find the Kyle Twin Theater on Main Street and make your way to the back of the building to find those two murals. Um, It's not just two murals. There's a couple of other uh, related murals that were done. And so it's this multi-year project that's been going on there. And it's it's really something to take in and to behold. It's it's so beautifully well-crafted by an amazing team of young Native Indigenous artists led by, uh, from all I understand, a fantastic person from USD. And yeah, so congratulations to the team. And um, I wish them the best on their next project. But also while you're there, uh, check out the Kyle Twin Theater. That was uh, the theater that I worked at when I was going to school there. I was a projectionist and I worked there for a number of years and frankly was the best job I had uh, when I was a young man, maybe even up until recently. (laughs) So, but now it's run by the Vermilion Cultural Association, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the inclusion of arts in everyday life. And they are doing some really great things uh, with this amazing little theater. So check them out. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time uh, listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from this community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. You can find us on a number of platforms uh, that, that host podcast so if you have a favorite podcast check us out if you don't can't find us let me know and we will get you added um 
But yes, so please subscribe, like us, show us your support. Uh, we really enjoy this. So if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please let me know on our Facebook page. I'd really like to hear from you. So take care and we will see you next week. And also, you know, check out uh, Rena's website, uh, RenaHernandezArt.com. All right, take care.